Einstein and Sock Monkey, episode 14, Google Plus Plus, recorded July 26th, 2011. Leave in the hangout. Bye bye. It's the web design world's most lovable podcast Einstein and Sock Monkey. <laughs> There's a whole sock monkey culture connected to all this. I believe that Einstein was a lazy procrastinator like me. Yeah, but can you guys tell me what this has to do with um, web design? Welcome to Einstein and Sock Monkey, the podcast for web geeks and website owners. My name is Steve Martin, and we have... Ron Zezadinsky with us this evening, and as usual, and tonight the wonderful His Majesty Nick Armstrong, as I was told. To That's correct. The his Majesty. His Majesty. I like the, that. His wonderful. wonderful. His <laughs> Majesty, Mr. Nick Armstrong. Yay. You're getting an extra tip tonight. Let's tell you that. <laughs> well, Nick has been on the podcast. It was back at in episode six, I do believe, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And you can like also that. hear me talk really fast about social media in on many a couple, episodes. couple different episodes. Oh, yes. that's right. He's on the social media minute. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it was forget? I'm glad it was such a memorable it was performance. It's very memorable. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. We love it. It's amazing how much stuff you pack in there. Yeah. I, yeah I'm pretty good at packing it in. Yeah, I, I had a question. I'm getting tired of the, the hair comments though. I think I feel like I'm feeling personally offended. Well, um, <laughs> just because my hair is really ridiculously crazy right now. Uh, well, that sounds like a personal problem to me. <laughs> <laughs> I had a question on those social media minutes. Mm-hmm. I, I presume you edit them to kind of cram more in. Is that true? Actually, you know that I just talk that fast, and I do a couple of takes to make sure oh, that I get okay. my my uh, wording right and the pace right, so that I don't you know spill all over myself. But as soon as I get a good one. That's what you hear. Wow. I just assumed you edited it together a little bit, but that's impressive. Yeah. it's um, I, Well, I used to do Psychotic Resumes podcasts, and right. those were heavily edited because I didn't have the, the flow. Mm. Um, so about the third or fourth episode, you can hear a real change in those, and that's mm. when I started doing a couple sentences at a time, a paragraph, two paragraphs at a time, and then got locked in. As yeah. soon as I do a really good take, that's the one I use. I try and do it all in one take. Cool. How long were those podcast anyway psychotic resume is about five minutes okay and so that's a long time to riff about something <clears throat> yeah uh, yeah solo used yeah. to be on radio so when you were on radio whoa, between whoa. songs you're on radio mm-hmm. <gasps> i was on kcsu cool 90.5 fm was like fort collins ancient times man yes i was uh dj saint nick <laughs> <laughs> that's a good name i i had um we ran a, a, a giveaway called the, the Ho Ho Hoedown. <laughs> a lot Classic. of awesome concert tickets. And then uh, I also ran a show called Bullet Train of Baton Rouge, which was a mix of bluegrass and uh, other, other eclectic music type. Zydeco was in there yeah. too. Um, and then Two Chicks and Nick, the talk show. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, awesome. it was an adventure. You definitely have <laughs> a lot more time than us behind the microphone, that's for sure. <laughs> it was it, uh, well. I've got face for radio. That's <laughs> that's the thing that's helped yeah, me out. Nice. You want to advance your career in radio? Just be really ugly. That's <laughs> the- <laughs> no comment. <laughs> we'll check with Stacy. I'm sure there's at least several differing opinions. It could be. <laughs> well, last time we uh, we rambled on and on and on 
In yeah. fact, I think the episode was titled The One in Which We Talk A Lot or yeah. something, <laughs> uh, which I love. That was a great title there, Steve. Yeah. So this time our goal is to keep it shorter. So uh, anyway, we've got a timer running and we're going to do our best. But Nick is here because we're going to talk about Google Plus for the feature. And we're going to try to move things along a little faster um, just to see if we can do that. Yeah. You know, we don't have Johan here with his ruthless German efficiency. <laughs> it's true. Well, he he's the one. Whenever he's around, we ended up ta- we end up talking forever. We do. I mean, although that probably would be true with any of our friends that we would invite because we all like to talk. <laughs> that's why when when I when Ron and I were talking about inviting you, we're like, okay, but we got to keep it short because <laughs> if next year we're going to talk forever, it, it's, it's it does to tend do. to happen. Easy to do. So on that note, how about we move on to the news? Let us do that, Ron. Okay, my first uh, news item is a recent Comscore press release on mobile content usage. So here's some updated stats for those of you following the mobile world closely. So in May of 2011, um, 69.5% of U.S. mobile subscribers used text text messaging on their mobile device. Um, That's pretty relevant because if you're considering mobile strategy for your company, you don't want to overlook the really simple text messaging uh, avenue. Uh, Wait, that's many, May, many, May of this year. Yes, May okay. of this year. Because so many people do texting more than do anything else on their phone besides talk. Um, mm. Let's see, browsers, so web browsers on mobile devices were used by 39.8% of subscribers. And downloaded applications, so native apps, were used by 38.6%. That's up mm. 2% from the previous month. It's almost, it's really So they're very close. close right now. Yeah, very equal usage. But this is, uh, again, one of those factors to weigh if you're doing mobile strategy is do we go with a mobile website or web app right. or do we go with a native app? And part of that equation is how many people are using browser versus native app. So it's about equal right now. Well, as, you know, as a marketer, I say any port in a storm, you got to do it. Just put yourself out there as many places as you can. If you got the money to do a, a pure mobile app, do it. If you don't, then don't worry about it. Do a really good website. Either way you do it, you got to do it really well. Right. And then the other stat we'll share here, oh, there's a little bit more on the show notes, so you can check that out. But uh, in May 2011, so again, same month, for the first time, RIM, BlackBerry, market share dropped below Apple. So current market share numbers, according to Comscore, are Android 38.1% market share. Uh, that's up 5.1% uh, points. Yeah, points. Apple's at 26.6%, the number two position, and RIM BlackBerry now dropped to 24.7%. And uh, if you look at the vectors, they're down 4.2%. Apple was up 1.4%. So Apple's on the up, Android's on the steep up, and RIM mm-hmm. is on the fairly steep decline. Take that, actual keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> Touch, I, I like my actual touch keyboard. It's so Star Trek that I just can't get over it, and I, I got to have it everywhere. And that's if people tell me, I've got to have my BlackBerry because it's got an actual keypad on it. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> are you old? <laughs> You're from the past, aren't you? A time traveler? You just got, it's Doctor Who brought you forward. What I, what I, well, some Android devices have keyboards, right? Some. The, if they have the sliders. Yeah, right. Slider. But they still do have the text on the screen keyboard. Well, what yeah, I see a lot. Right, some do. Because, yeah. yeah. I think the uh, the original Droid doesn't have a keyboard, a slide-out keyboard and an on-screen keyboard. Pretty sure. I have no idea. Uh, what I do see a lot, though, is business guys, like with the suits and everything, they've got, they're sitting there looking at their BlackBerry and then they put it away and then they pull out their iPhone. You're kidding. Yeah, that, I saw that. I was at a conference in Boulder uh, about, like, cloud computing stuff and there are all these, like, 
fancy dressed guys and I was like in my shorts. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and they started pulling out their iPhone yeah. while you were presenting? They were, <laughs> no, you know, they were playing Angry Birds is what they were doing. <laughs> no, they actually were, but I wasn't presenting. So that's <laughs> not a problem. They had that on the BlackBerry. <laughs> but they, yeah, several guys had their BlackBerry checking their email. And they pull out their iPhone and like do family stuff. That's or hilarious. Play, play Angry Birds. One guy. Well, it's was. because IT departments have not kept up. Yeah, they're in, in every category. IT departments have almost always slacked behind. They're you know blocking ports that shouldn't be blocked. They're tying down systems that shouldn't be tied down. They're forcing Mac users into PC worlds, and it's just not right. Like, keep up, guys. That's the problem. Well, with believe it or not, the company I work for still uses Lotus Notes. Ooh. Luckily, they're pulling That's away modern. from it. It's a French thing, I guess. I guess they like it. <laughs> but they, uh, <laughs> it's owned by a French company that owns us. But luckily, they're not going to make us do that. But yeah, they IT companies they get in a like they get in direction. It's the whole first law of thermodynamics thing. Mm-hmm. Starts in motion, it stays in motion. So, and anyway. usually that motion is bring me my brown pants. <laughs> Wait, I don't get what brown pants. So, so there is a pirate. There's a there's a there's a captain. There's a captain on a pirate ship, and he says, "All right, there's an enemy coming in." And he says to his crewmate, "He says, all right, bring me my red shirt." And he says, "Well, why do you want me to bring you your red shirt?" He says, "So if the enemy cuts me, they can't see me bleed." <laughs> happens again and again, and finally, there's three pirate ships on the horizon, and the captain says, "Lieutenant, bring me my brown pants." <laughs> Oh, I saw that one coming. That's pretty and, good. And that would be Newton's first law. That's, <laughs> what did I say? First law of thermodynamics. Oh, sorry. That's Newton's okay. first. You, yeah, you looked at me funny. I'm yeah, like, like the okay, physics man. Like, are you going to correct this? Or? Sorry, no. slipped out <laughs> it's wrong. It's okay. It's all good. First law of physics. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now you're winning. And on that, let's move to Steve's yeah, yeah, yeah. second. Oh, I actually have one last little oh, stat right, to share, right. uh, which was uh, there's a separate stat um, from Comscore. I have a link in the show notes for that too. But uh, interesting, uh, iPad, if you, look at, if you look at tablet traffic alone, so just all web traffic from tablets, iPad has 89% of tablet traffic worldwide. Mm. Well, it just shows, it goes to show you, you get a good thing going. Mm-hmm. Oh, and 97% so, in the US. number in the US, 96.9% Whoa. of tablet traffic is iPad. Nobody cares about Flash. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> Nobody, Nobody gives a crap. Might be true. I'd I think we can still maintain our, our... It certainly hasn't affected, uh, impacted Apple sales of tablets very much. No. No, users really don't care because anything that can be done in Flash can be done in an app. Or HTML5. Right. Or Yeah, HTML5 and Canvas are still... Behind the total capabilities of Flash by quite a bit, I think it's going to be a good five years before HTML5 and Canvas are really that advanced to to match what Flash can do. But there's a lot of simple things you can do in those Mm -hmm. that you don't need Flash for. Uh, Anyway, let's go to the second news item. I think Steve's going to share something about Lion. (laughs) Yeah, as everyone knows, um, Apple just last was it last week released Lion the Mm -hmm. uh, 10.7 OS 10.7. And while I have not personally upgraded, I have. Messed around with some computers that have been, and everybody is griping about the reverse scroll thing. And this is like a big deal, especially <laughs> from a user experience slash computer interaction point of view. It, it's it kind of the first time I saw that, I'm like, what? That was the oh, first thing I, I turned to, I have off. To point out though that this is not anything different. The trackpad here, you scroll, it works the same way Lion does. Yeah, I mean, it's there's an no, option it to do it. There's an option to reverse. 
No, like if I if I put my two fingers down and scroll down, it's like pulling the wheel down on my mouse. The, right. The little bar on the side goes down. Right. But with Lion, I put two fingers down, the content moves down. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just oh, like they've I'm, done it like an iPad. Like an iPad. Like I touch the screen and I'm moving it down. So it's the absolute opposite. Why did they that. do that? <laughs> it's by default. Well, there's a lot. You know, there's all kinds of people going back and forth about guessing why. But I I came across. A comment in on the uh, Interaction Design Association hmm. website. It's ixda.org, and we'll have a link, of course. And it, it's insight into why Apple chose to do it the, the way they used to have done it for 27 years in the first place, which was a very interesting. A guy named Larry Tesler, who worked on the uh, early, he said he worked in the early days of the Lisa development, which was really the first computer that did that had. A win like the window UI that had scroll bars and all this kind of stuff. And they did lots of UX studies to figure out which way should we do it. Do we want to have the arrows up or down? And you it's almost like it's a quite a long story that he tells, but they half of the people thought the if you move the bar, the little they, he calls it the elevator, the little okay, bar yeah. that gets bigger and smaller in the scroll bar side thing. Uh-huh. It, half the people thought if I move that down, the content should go down. Half the people thought if I move it down, the content should go up. Mm, so it was like a I'm, toss up, fifty fifty. It was a toss up, and and finally, like the the VP is like, yeah, it's easier to do it the other way. So <laughs> wow. And so that's that's why it stuck, hmm. and everybody has done that since. Hmm. It's like um, even though technically it's not quite as intuitive, but now we're we're all trained that way. Yeah. And it's like Apple's trying to retrain everybody, which is an interesting move from a user experience perspective. Well, you can used to be able to invert joysticks. Remember mm-hmm. this in like flight yeah. sim games yes. or like uh, in Halo, you can invert your your controllers. And my roommate is my, one of my best friends from college. He always would play inverted, and we would always hate it because he would lose controller around, and we would sign in with his profile accidentally. And it'd be all wonky. We couldn't play because he was upside down. <laughs> he was he thought upside down. So that's we always made fun of him. <laughs> he had no hair um, too, which was great. But well, the, it's interesting on the UX side because you know in the mobile devices, one of the word you know one of the principles you try to follow is that you're manipulating the data directly, right? And so this is kind of going with that plan of you know if you're pulling the page down, you're moving the page physically down. Um, right, so you're moving the content directly as opposed to some abstract thing of like the reverse scroll wheel. Right, and it, it's, it's <clears throat> if I could speak, it, <laughs> it looks like the reason that it was that way is that it all came down to the arrows that are at the top and the bottom of the scroll bar. Because the people, some people, mm. like I said, the half and half, they felt if, if I'm pushing to the up arrow, the I want to go back to the top. Like that's the direction I'm going. Mm, that makes Instead sense. Instead of that's mm-hmm. the direction the t- content is moving. Sure. And so that's that's why they chose to go with that direction. Sure. And then you come up with a, a scroll wheel, which is kind of backwards. It's almost like the bottom of the scroll wheel is pushing the paper up, if you mm-hmm. use the metaphor. You know, th- this is embarrassing. I just noticed for the first time, ever on a Macintosh, which I have had for years, that the up and down arrows by the scroll bar are both together at the bottom. Yeah, they are, but I, I, I well, How long has that been there? Forever. <laughs> never, that, that's the, the re- default state. Well, the reason I've never noticed is that I don't use the scroll bar. I just use the trackpad with mm-hmm. two fingers, and ever since that came out. 
That is, yeah. that is and very the guy smart. makes the point in his post that that's very that smart, though. by when Apple did that, they took away this false idea of the directions, and now this is like one more step away from that hmm. to more direct manipulation. So yeah, it's it's an option anyway. you can turn off. Yeah, it is, and definitely that was the first thing to go for me. Yeah, a lot of people I've talked to said that. Hmm. But then, you know, I, I've also heard give it a couple days and you'll love it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, when my fingers move up on a trackpad, I want the stuff to move up with it. Like, I want it to behave as I, like, if you put your finger on an iPad and swipe across to the left from right to left, the thing, the screen moves right, from like if you're to, the, photos to the next or something, one on the you're right. Dragging the photo exactly. to the right. Yeah. yeah. And you're moving stuff around with your finger. So that's what I want. The computer to do and by default mm-hmm. it wasn't doing that well and now especially since they're going to side swiping too now on the on the trackpad right you can mm-hmm. use gestures to move things left and right that is direct mm-hmm. control rather than reverse control right so it makes sense that the vertical control should match that yeah i don't i, won't, I don't want inverse control that's mm-hmm. that makes no sense to me actually I, i'm not quite tracking with you to um Nick, because right now when I when I put, pull my fingers down, I have the old version. If I do the two fingers down, mm-hmm. it scrolls the, the the screen moves up, the content moves to the top. Yeah, the right, content moves to the top. So yeah. you're scrolling down when your fingers move down. You're, so when your fingers move down, you're going to the bottom. Yeah, you're on, a, you're on an iPad. Down you on scroll, a, you move your fingers down. You move the, the content moves down. down. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's the opposite. Yeah, that's right. true. So if you want it the same as the iPad, then yeah. you have to fl- put it back to the way Lion was. Yeah, the way it comes. Yuck. But yeah. <laughs> it's complicated. It is. But and so it, it's one of those things well, it's that it's harder to talk about people, it than to do it. It is. But and so you have to kind of see it and figure out what which one you like the best. But <laughs> anyway, it was a neat it was neat to see kind of the, the behind the scenes of why it is like it is. Yeah, that's fascinating. I had never thought about it. Um, let's see. So my next ready for the next one? Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, my next news item is uh, a, a report from the field of using HTML. So we just uh, developed a mobile website for a band, and uh, part of that we were embedding audio. So uh, we're using HTML5 and the new audio tags Fun. Um, to do it. So we ran into multiple bugs that uh, might be useful to the developers out there. So uh, if you're into HTML5, here's some practical stuff that we ran into. So uh, the basics are in the audio tag, you, need to, you do need to supply multiple formats. So the idea is with an audio tag, you, you don't have to specify the codec or a player or anything like that, that the browser will figure out how to play the audio content. So it's really cool because it's just such a small amount of markup. Um, but you do have to supply multiple versions of the file. So uh, Chrome and Safari natively will play MP3s. Firefox will play OGG OGG format. So you do have to provide both of those. And then the, <clears throat> the browser will figure out which is the best for it and just play it if you provide both. And then with Internet Explorer, of course, it's all screwed up. Um, <laughs> IE7 and 8 um, will not play any of those natively because they don't support HTML5. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to provide some kind of a fallback for IE7 and 8, and generally Flash is currently the, the standard way to provide a fallback. Now, IE9 theoretically supports HTML5, mm-hmm. except it doesn't work some of the time. So, we, But we found out when it doesn't. Oh, so, no, it's not random. No, it's not okay. random. It's not random. So it, the audio tag will theoretically work with IE9 with MP3 with MP3 format, um, but the preload attribute it's sensitive to the preload attribute in IE9. So since we were building this as a mobile site and we had four tracks on the listen page, 
we don't want preloading because mm-hmm. if you're on a mobile device, you don't want to be downloading four sure. tracks that mm-hmm. are four megabytes each or whatever. That's crazy. So we have preload set to none, so it won't preload. And that causes IE9 to fail and not able to play the content at all. Mm. If you set preload to preload so that it does preload the content, then IE9 plays it just fine. So anyway, we haven't got a perfect workaround, but we're probably going to have to use some conditional comments there for IE9 to uh, yeah. change that, that attribute. Can I? That's just ridiculous. <laughs> it is. Can we please all just gather together as as a world, one people, and say, <laughs> "Please die, Internet Explorer." <laughs> I don't care what you version. Have to kill it is. Microsoft first. That's going to be tough. Uh, well, I don't. I don't care about Microsoft. I think Microsoft is a great company, but their browsing technology is always wonky. It's always one they step behind. Always do or something. Ten steps behind. I, well, don't forget they created the the technology behind the Ajax um, response objects. I didn't know that. So they're the people that came out with the, the way to asynchronously grab data from uh, from somewhere else on your website without having to refresh the page. That's good. That's cool. They also they also were the ones who implemented uh, web font embedding first mm-hmm. back in 97, 1997 in right. IE4. So they're not completely useless. They're not. No, they're not completely useless. <laughs> it's they, just, they, they've pushed a few boundaries. Well, with Fire, Firefox is part of the Mozilla Foundation, which is, you know, they run a lot of the W3C, which is behind the, the stats of the Internet. They, they right. build the structure. So if you are a browser company and you've got all the hands, you've got all the cards in your hand, why do you care about anybody else's browser? Right. You can design the perfect browser. For well, the, the sad thing is that I think I, Internet Explorer and Microsoft are really trying. You know, they're trying to make now standards compliant browsers and they're, and uh, it's just so it's frustrating to run into bugs like that. I don't know how they got the box model so wrong. That's yeah. the thing. The box model is there's basically invisible boxes behind the scenes of the web just determining where content should go. It's like tables if you've used tables before. And they bump or up against Excel. each other. Yeah, like an Excel spreadsheet. A website's like an Excel spreadsheet except that there's multiple spreadsheets stacked on top of each other. And so if you, if you do have a box in one location that box isn't in the same location on Internet Explorer 6 as it is on 7, as it is on 8, versus yeah. Firefox, versus Chrome, versus Safari. Those those boxes just conflict. And I don't know why they got the box model so wrong the first couple times, but they just did. And that's, Fortunately, fortunately it's, it's much, much better in the mm-hmm. later version. So. Yeah, Internet Explorer 9 does some great things with text um, shadows. You can add text shadows. You can do rounded corners, the CSS3 tricks. Mm-hmm. You yeah, can do much box better shadows. We just want everybody to go to nine, but anyway, <laughs> then so we did run into one other bug, sort of shockingly to me, on the mobile side. So again, we're building this as a mobile site, so the whole idea is that it's going to play well on all Android and mm-hmm. iPhone devices, and you know they're running the latest browsers, right? So they sure. should all be standards compliant. Well, guess what? Audio tracks don't work. We tried it on uh, Android phone. The audio tracks don't work. Works perfectly in the iPhone. Really, you can play them and everything, but Android did not. So we started hunting and doing more research and discovered that. Android 2.2 has a bug, an actual bug, and will not play the audio tag in HTML5. <laughs> so that's oh the Froyo OS, and before has this bug. They fixed it with Android 2.3 Gingerbread, which is pretty much the most, I could be a little off because I'm not an Android expert here, but I think that's the most common shipping OS for Android now. Hmm. But that means if you have just one OS out, like the original Droid, does not have has got the the earlier OS that so will not play yeah. the audio tracks. A lot of folks have to. I think everybody has to depend on the carrier 
to allow them to install not everybody, but yeah. And I was curious about that. Are kind do you, of stuck. I don't know if we all have iPhones in here, so mm-hmm. I don't know about the Android upgrade process. Like, can you, you got a room full of Apple fanboys? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> problem. So anyway, well, I'll tell you, we're, what, we're trying to figure out a workaround for that, and I don't know. I don't know uh, that we could find one. My wife had one of those first version Android phones, and it was awful, absolutely awful. The interface was awful. It was an HTC. It was the interface was awful. The response time was awful. The latency was awful. And I showed her an iPhone. Ten minutes, <laughs> ten minutes before we were in the car to an AT and T store. Wow, <laughs> I believe it. Yep. Well, the, there's a guy at work who he, he's been an Apple fanboy forever, and then he went and decided to get an Android. Uh huh. Because it has a bigger and, screen. And what did he think? At first, he's like, "Look what I can do! I can. It has a fingerprint reader on the back, and it can do this and that." And I'm like, "Uh huh." I'll give it a couple months. A couple months later, he came back. He's like, yeah, "I'm not so glad I got this." <laughs> Interesting. I have more control over my apps than I ever did. I can determine the amount of memory. And I've, I've played yeah. Angry Birds on both, mm-hmm. and it seems more responsive to me on the iPhone. It's a little chunky from time And that's to time. what's important. We need to take that home right now. <laughs> totally the only thing you need to worry about, the baseline comparison for phones, is how well can it play Angry Birds? Absolutely. Are you kidding? That's a great benchmark. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so if you're doing HTML5 stuff and you're doing the audio tag, I just wanted to share that because there's some glitches. There are some workarounds for some and not for others, but... Good to be aware of. It's well, um, it's good that you guys are testing all that stuff. Yeah, because a lot of totally. folks don't. They go, "Oh, I got it. It works in Safari and IE." Right, <laughs> or a lot of it's in theory, or you know, it says on the website that it's supported, but then you go and do it, and it doesn't work. And it's like, well, why? You know. So anyway, yeah, cool. actual reports. So, Steve. Yeah, I I, uh, I have mentioned this website in the past, and was as a blog pick. What makes them click dot net? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Susan Weinshank, she's known as the brain lady. She wrote neuro web design and a hundred things you should know about people, mm-hmm. or a hundred things hundred things designers should know about people. Anyway, um, she had a really great series this past couple weeks called Seven Ways to Get a Team to Implement Your Recommendations." With mind control, <laughs> <laughs> intimidation, and I am Jedi always, mind tricks. I am yeah. always a fan of anything that uh, helps me manipulate people. <laughs> so, um, you you should really check out the it's what makes them click dot net, and it's her most recent posts. We have a link to it. Yeah, but the things are like hide your top three recommendations as far like if you've got ten recommendations, mention the most important three at the end. Hmm. because you're going to have to give and take. Like if you're working with a dev dev team or something, you're going to have to give and take. And by the end, you're like, okay, I've given a lot, guys. Can you just let me have these last three? Because there's psychology behind it. She explains it all. Mm -hmm. Say you, they, and customers instead of I. Mm -hmm. Do a presentation. Don't send them a report, which is really huge. Um, Use the word because and give a reason. And this one blew me away. She mentioned a research study where some folks said um, they added because to a statement, like, I need to make five copies. Can I, can I use the copier was one. That got a 60% return rate. I need to make five copies because I need to make, or can I use the copier because I need to make copies? 93% response wow. rate. Just by saying, I mean, it's not even no, a reason. No, yes, yeah, exactly. There's no it's reason. Not a reason. There's no extra information in that I know. sense. <laughs> and I use a copy because I need to make copies. <laughs> because my name is Steve. <laughs> but even if, and if you say, I need to use a copier because I'm in a rush, that's like 94%. It wasn't really hmm. that much different. Hmm. So wow. 
using the word because is huge. And then um, Good to know. giving using research and statistics for to bolster recommendation, point out consequences of doing this, staying with the status quo. And because I think that's kind of the uh, first law of physics thing. <laughs> I believe you more because you just said because. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> but it's because if you... Now I'm going to notice every time I say I know because. We are. Um, because if people will just be doing things because that's what they, the way they've done it and they don't realize there are problems by doing with doing that. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm going to say no more often whenever somebody gives me a reason about something. When they say because... I'm going to purposefully say no. <laughs> from here on, Just I need to make copies. To fuck this because skew the stats. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> because I'm, I, man, the boss is really on my butt today. We got to go and get some copies because he's, he just won't let off. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, the seventh we you, one <laughs> was to tie your recommendations to the viewpoint of others. As, in other words, find out what's important to them. Right. And approach it from that direction. Mm. So some of the stuff Always is common sense, yeah. but it's it's neat to she. It, they're really short posts. They're not huge and long. Cool. But it, they're they're good to because I know from we've talked about this before. UX guys for some reason have to constantly validate everything we're doing and constantly convince people. Yes, this is a good idea, etc. So anyway, thank you. That's a good. Uh, that's fascinating. That's a good post. Yeah. So we move on to our. Feature, sure. Google Plus, yeah. So we're very excited for Nick to tell us a few things about Google Plus and ask well, him some questions. Well, as you know, I'm an expert in anything that um, that looks shiny. <laughs> Any, anything that's new, less than uh, a month old, less than less than a month old. I can. I, I've got the manual written already. Um, well, you you are the expert. You did a you just taught a class taught on a class tonight. 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 I came class, from yeah. a class. Digital gunslingers um, in Fort Collins. Classes.digitalgunslinger.com. and it's it's all about sharing Google Plus. It's almost a mix between Facebook and Twitter, and when they add the business component in, it's going to be a mix between Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Hmm. It's not there yet, but one of the cool things and the coolest thing about Google Plus in general is that it takes the personal nature of Facebook and what you could do with friends lists, but with segmentation of publication and sharing and privacy settings and all that, it has that straight out of the gate by default. This is the first thing you do in Google Plus. If you wanted to do it on Facebook, it's somewhat hidden. And it's not very well explained. You can go digging for it if you want to, but it's just it's not as easy. Right. This is drag and drop in Google Plus. Yeah, the cool UI. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, awesome. You get a personal profile, a lot of data. You don't get that on Twitter. You don't get a full personal profile with the full websites, the full description, the bio, the linked profiles, and everything like that, like you do on Facebook. Google Plus has this entire profile for you: links, um, social profiles, all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, friends, listings, everything. On top of all of that, what is really cool about Google Plus is that there's non-reciprocation. You don't have to be friends with somebody in order to share information with them. So it's more Twitter-like in that oh, yes. regard. Yeah, it's Twitter. You don't have to follow somebody back who's following you. You don't have yeah. to be friends with somebody yeah. and they don't have like to be that. friends with you. That's the 
best thing. You know, it's, I've been trying to figure out a way because people keep asking me, what's the difference between Facebook and mm -hmm. Google Plus? And I had not really put that together. Non-reciprocation. That's what I call it. Or the jerk that factor. That sounds kind of evil. Well, that sounds the evil, too. The jerk factor. You can, no, <laughs> no non reciprocation. No commitments. No commitments. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You you can, it's it's the sleaze factor. <laughs> I can sleep around on Google+. Plus. <laughs> I don't have to commit to anybody. The um, it, A long time ago, Google came out with these Google profiles, which I had filled out and yeah, didn't too. really know what to do with it. It's just sitting there. It's just another place for data to go. Yeah. And Buzz kind of used them to some effect and, you know, whatever. But when Google Plus came about, they really ripped those profiles out. And now that's what they're using. They use these profiles to draw the data from, you know, what you were entering into Google as your personal profile now. And by default, it's not all public. Mm. So it's already beat Facebook on some level like, yeah. because they've got the privacy settings already locked down as tight as they can go from the get-go. If you've set them into your profile, you might notice that some things are shared more than yeah. others, but it's still only shared with your um, circles, and circles are like friends lists. You have to add somebody to them in order to see their updates and so on. Um, but if you uh, if you were using your profile or hadn't used a profile before, you would notice that there's no privacy. There's privacy settings are set to the full lockdown. Hmm. So nothing's shared until you decide to share it. And that's a big step up from Facebook. So what are some of the other features that you like in uh, Google Plus or that you're interested, excited about? Well, I really love um, the sharing segmentation. So you can choose to share with certain circles. So you, the first thing That's you do nice. is you yeah. you mm -hmm. add friends to groups. But you can do circles. that on Facebook too. I, yeah. I think yeah. You can make, yeah, you can make lists within Facebook. Mm -hmm. And you just share with lists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And really? you can do tagging to the same thing. I've, with, I've made lists in Facebook, mm -hmm. but I never realized, I never could figure out why I made lists. Mm -hmm. Facebook. There's yeah, privacy settings that was associated why, with theoretically, it. Theoretically. Mm -hmm. But I think Google Plus makes it easier to right. do that. It's like oh, yeah. way more right. obvious. Well, it's, it's a core feature. Right. And a lot of people have been asking, why do you get on Google Plus? And my biggest answer is because your family's not there yet. <laughs> they cannot yeah. bug you. Yeah, is the operative word. Exactly. Well, but, but the downside is they could follow you even if you don't want them they to. They can. Well, yeah, you can block people. You can block oh. people. Um, I've had to do I this. I have blocked a couple people. Mm -hmm. You can hide people, which means that they can still see your updates. You just don't see theirs. Is that why I'm not in your circles? <laughs> <laughs> in um, my circle, man. But if you think about it, like, this is, this is a really cool network, and it's, it's going to be really successful. I can see it. It's not going to do the same crash that Wave had. Um, I don't understand quite why they've still got Buzz around. Buzz and Plus and Google Plus are s separate entities still, and they pull in separate content still. Which huh. because they are so Buzz close, is like Twitter like, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they're almost huh. identical. That's they're really virtually weird. identical, and I don't understand why they still have Buzz hmm. around. I think that it may go that away soon. Oh, you weren't in my circle. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was joking, actually. <laughs> I was making a joke. Actually. No, you weren't. I don't know why. A bunch of jerks. Um, <laughs> Sorry, go so ahead. First, Steve, <laughs> I'm your co-host. <laughs> people were trying to figure out, uh, so somebody made a blog post about what you should call people in your circles and it kept coming up overwhelmingly. You should call them circle jerks <laughs> over and over and over again. And so apparently if people are in your circles, that's what you call them. Okay. Circle Me and jerks. my circle jerks are gonna hang out. So what about so. what about some of the other uh, 
some of the other features here. Well, Sparks. So yeah, tell me about that because that's like the part I know the least about. Okay, so Circles is the big thing that they're pitching. Right, right. That's the friends list thing. Sparks is sort of like a Google alert for a topic that you're interested in. So I have one for Star Trek. I have a Star okay. Trek Spark. And does it, it pull content in from yeah, where for it, that? For the whole pulls, web or yeah, just it pulls Google blogs? Plus? So Ooh. inside of Google Plus, uh-huh. I can click on that Spark, Star Trek, and I see blog posts, videos, pictures, and news stories. You know what? I had not seen the link Sparks until you just started talking about awesome. it. Awesome. It's pretty very What are Sparks? It's just, it's just I'm like Mr. Wizard here I teaching know. you new stuff. So for for those of you who are younger, it's <laughs> Bill Nye now. Um, <laughs> Sparks is all about it pulls non-static content. So Star Trek.com doesn't come up in my Star Trek Spark. Instead, it pulls blog posts, videos. Um, pictures, Sweet. audio files, um, YouTube videos, and it pulls news stories. So anything that is non-static content, anything that qu- sort of qualifies as news or blog posts or you know frequently updated stuff comes into these sparks. So it's like a Google alert, except it is c- constantly updated. It's fresh every time you visit it. Hmm. You can add those sparks for almost anything. I tried it for my company. It won't pull anything up. I tried it for, um, I haven't blogged on, on my company for a while. I can pull it for my own name, and it does pull some stuff for me, which is really cool. Um, Sparks are useful. And what's really neat is that mm-hmm. in Google+, if you can see the toolbar, the Google toolbar at the very top, mm-hmm. um, where it says share, you can drag and drop links into that share section. So if you're in Google Reader and you see a link that you like, click on the title and drag it up to the share. You can share it with your network. Right then and there. Ooh, that's Wait, kind to of share? Mm-hmm. Upper right it. corner on the black bar? Yeah, in the oh, upper, upper I did, right corner. I'm, I'm like blind, apparently. <laughs> it's a little gray. It's just gray. Next to share. my little uh, avatar. Yeah, next to your avatar. Sweet. So you can drag and drop pictures. You can drag and drop links. You can drag and drop videos, YouTubes, yeah. files. That's, that's clever. Because yeah. I mean, if you're logged in and you're doing Google all the time, and given that mm-hmm. you know it's all integrated here. Now, they mm. haven't implemented files yet. As well, soon as, okay. but yeah, think that's, that's the th- oh yeah, like file Wave, sharing. Think about what you could do with Wave, right? Mm. File sharing. It's, it was like Google Docs, where you could multiple edit at the same time, and it was everybody in one playground on a whiteboard, basically. Mm. You can do the. I'm, I'm betting that that's what's going mm. to happen. They've still got huh. that Wave code. That's and I cool. miss Wave. I really do because it was such an awesome place to go play. Um, a lot of the stuff was really wonky because it was really heavily JavaScript-based, and some of it just goes wrong sometimes. But when they got it right, it was so spectacular. And it was something that we'd never seen before. I can't wait to see what they bring in to Google+. One of the really cool features is Hangouts, and that's one of the third ones that they're really pushing on the web interface. They're pushing another one for the mobile interface, um, and it's, I forget what it's called. Um, let, me, let me actually look. Hangouts is multiple person video chat. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the, uh, that's the one feature that I am most excited about. Yeah, because uh, like like we, we subscribed to GoToMeeting for doing screen mm-hmm. sharing, and they had claimed that they were going to have uh, multiple video chat mm-hmm. in the next last revision, which was supposed to come out months ago, mm-hmm. and it still hasn't come. And now it's like, well, this is even better because free. <laughs> come on, guys! <laughs> Apple's done it. You know, let's get on it. <laughs> Um, I, if you, you tried that iChat multiple video chat, it's smooth no. stuff. It's, it's smoother than Skype and Skype is somewhat smooth. You have to have a pro account for it to it do works, multiple video. It works chat. really well. 
I'm not going to, I mean, you know, mm -hmm. Microsoft did a really smart thing when they bought Skype. Mm -hmm. Being able to integrate that with Microsoft Live is going to go nuts. But anyway, um, Hangouts is something that will directly compete with that. And I think it's going to do an amazing job connecting people in, an, in a new way. So what do you think about, I mean, why would people... And right now, it seems to me everybody using Google Plus, we're trying, we're all trying it out because it's new, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of interaction going on because it's brand new. But what's going to keep, you know, what's going to keep it going? You know, I mean, do you think people are actually going to switch over from Facebook to Google Plus, or do you think people no. will do both? I mean, that's a yeah. lot of that's a lot of work. So why? Here's the thing. Why? Facebook will become here's and this is my theory, and I'm going to get up my soapbox right now. By the huddle, by the way, is the other yeah, thing what, that I was talking. The huddle that? on the mobile device is a multiple person text message chat. Oh, so you can yeah, you cool. can it's incorporate like people campfire and, from yeah, thirty-seven signals exactly. Yep, mm. it's multiple person chat on your phone. So that's that's a really cool feature. Um, can you do that on the web too through the web interface? Uh, in Hangouts, yes. Oh, that's right. It's built so, into Hangouts. Yes, yeah, built Got into it. Hangouts. The huddle is the non-video equivalent of on mobile. Can you, can you on the on okay. the on the web interface? Can you do like a non-video Hangout where it's just chat? You can turn off your video, and you can chat with. I think you can chat with multiple people. The really neat thing is you can actually resize your chat window mm -hmm. that you couldn't do in that in in Gmail. You remember, so you could detach the window if you wanted to and resize it then. But inside of the window now, you can resize the chat window, which Duh. Like, why wouldn't you have done that from the start? Mm, yeah. But anyway. So um, your soapbox. My soapbox. I have had so many people friend me on Facebook that I just barely know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Clients, uh, friends from high school that I hung out with maybe once, had one class with, same thing with college and so on. It, it's always bugged me on some level because I want to connect with those people. And I didn't just want to send them to Twitter because... Twitter, it's it's not personable. Like they want to connect with me on a more personable level than Twitter would allow for. Yeah, and I don't want to sit there and have connections, like conversations and connections with all these random people that I used yeah, to know. Yeah, totally. It it just doesn't work for me. If I can group them all into one place though and share meaningful updates on my life, I'm going to do that. And because and if they want to respond to that, that's fine. Then I can start interacting with them, and maybe they get upgraded to another circle, another so friend circle. Kind of like in Facebook, friends are a little too much of a commitment for exactly. those casual acquaintances. Exactly. Well, I wrestled with that with just business stuff because I have you know lots of friends and colleagues and acquaintances and lots of businesses, right? The whole web world, the whole flying world. And on Facebook, I was very, you know, mm -hmm. uncertain, uh, you know, just confused about like mm -hmm. who should I really accept and who shouldn't I? Mm -hmm. Even though I could segment them into lists, it was a pain, you know, yeah. to yeah. publish content. And what you'll really see is people will cut down their friends' numbers on Facebook. This is what I believe will happen. People will cut down their friends' numbers on Facebook to just their core, their family, and their best friends, and the people that they really want to share intimate stuff with. Hmm. And Facebook will be used for that really strong connection, conversation type stuff. Sharing pictures, sharing photos, because you don't want to put on Google+, Plus. I don't want to put a ton of photos out there. It's just not worth it for me, because everybody can see that stuff. Right. If I know on... And I can limit the privacy, sure, but whatever. I've got a lot invested in Facebook. That would make it easier. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're willing to use multiple networks, mm -hmm. that kind of makes sense of your strategy of close people over here. I'm going to mm -hmm. post lots of photos. Some of those might be personal in mm -hmm. nature, family, or whatever. And then on Google Plus, I'm going to be more open. Mm -hmm. That's like, you know, you could choose to just operate it almost completely publicly, even mm -hmm. though you could lock it down. You're segmenting. Yeah, that's well, kind of cool. It's like this golden bridge 
and and the, if anybody's a fan of Tumblr, they're going to be really upset at me for saying this. Okay. But it's it's really the micro blog that wasn't between you know it. There, we had Twitter and you had Facebook, and you could blog on Facebook and you could post status updates. Maybe if you wanted to post a long one, you could. But then they have those limiters. Then right. on Twitter, you've got 160 characters. Okay, what are you 140? What are you going to say here, right? Now, in Wave, or sorry, in Plus, Google, oh boy, that's a dangerous <laughs> one. Oh no. The Google thing. I've just jinxed it. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry yeah, to the t- 13 the, uh, million the out there. What's the publish limit on uh, Google Plus? None. There isn't. It shows 200 publish, or 250. I can and, publish a novel? Yep, you could publish a novel, and it, you could show more after that. Wow. Which I like. Yeah. It doesn't clog up the Exactly. It's so awesome. Mm. Um, don't follow Chris Brogan, by the way. He posts <laughs> something every 10 seconds. It drives me nuts. Nice. I don't know how he does. I think he has an intern like <laughs> drinking coffee all night, posting something. So he has a constant stream of Google Plus info coming out. Um, but that's that's the thing is the non-reciprocity of it plus the, the ability to share longer posts or information or data or even location spaces that I could do on Twitter but didn't really want to. Those types of things is that's what's going to make Google Plus really shine, and I think that those connections that are on Facebook, because we're so invested in it already, so I don't know anybody who's not invested in Facebook who is still on the internet and participating in society and not living under a rock. <laughs> the people that are vested in Facebook are going to stay there. Right. They don't have to worry about anything. The real worry is for Facebook and Twitter's advertising dollars. Because Google's probably, you know, a lot of people use AdWords. A lot of people go there and they, they use this constantly because it's, it's what's the point of pain? What, can I, what problem can I solve? My pipes are broken. How do I fix a broken pipe? That's what you Google for. And then the plumber shows up in the ad space. On Facebook, they've got this magical ability to target down to the demographic. If you wanted to target right. 25-year-old um, males in Fort Collins whose birthday is today, you can do it. And you can advertise specifically to them. When Google did this, when they did their profile thing, but more specifically when they launched their social network and allowed people to fill in that data and encouraged people to fill out more data, and it's one of the steps when you're setting up your profile, when you get your Google Plus account, it says fill in your hometown, fill in your blah, 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 Mm -hmm. fill in your places you've lived. The more information you give them, the closer they get to Facebook's magical ability to target down to a specific demographic and to target you for those ads, they're cutting Facebook out of the picture largely for that reason. For those demographic reasons, Facebook can't be beat because they've got this huge network. But with Google having that capability, if you've got a Google profile, if they can advertise a specific thing to you really targeted really well, really efficiently, of course you're going to click on it. You're going to click on it and usually buy it or at least understand the service or why it was rendered to you. That makes so much sense because one thing that I noticed was conspicuously missing from Google Plus is any ads at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, it's like, when's that coming? Well, if, if, they're, if they're using Google Plus, I, I could see them not adding ads for even quite a while because they're really sucking in the demographics. And yeah. then 
I'm going to be logged in anyway. Then when I go That's search, good point. that could be a real. If they see, I just when had, I go oh. search for anything else anywhere on the web, suddenly oh. they've got all this information about me. You are so right on. See, and I was worried. I was just assuming that, like Facebook, Facebook didn't have ads right off the bat either. Right. I just assumed that okay, ads are going to trickle in. But you have a key point that I hadn't even thought of, which is yeah, they, they still know who you are if you're still logged in, and everything else you do on Google. They don't have to spam you with ads on Google+. And they're, they're making that black bar that's wow. there really valuable. Now, you can mm-hmm. drag stuff to it. You can mm-hmm. get right to so your names there, your little photos there. Yeah, it's know. always been really useful if you run somewhere oh. in Google. But now if you're elsewhere on the web, you kind of want that bar with you. Right. To say, oh, yeah, I want to share this stuff. I've it, The real interesting thing to see is what they're going to do with the plus ones. So yeah. if you search for something and you have a Google Plus account... You can plus one things, which basically means I've endorsed this site. I really enjoy it. People, there's there's firms now, social media expert firms, and that's all in quotes, who are selling plus ones. <laughs> so they'll hire their, you can hire their yep. army of people to For plus $50, one you get 10 plus ones. Oh, my god! For 100 you get 25 Oh, now, my gosh. That's crazy. Keep this in mind because it's. Google is going to look really closely at how this system is being used. Right now, it's not; it's just useless. It's a like, you know. It's just like right. a like on Facebook. Okay, if you plus like, one, it shows up in your profile. Right, and this is something that a lot of social media people struggle with: is okay, what's the conversion rate of a like? Yeah, what's the conversion rate of a comment versus a it's like? Hard, isn't it? Comments are usually much more mm-hmm. beneficial to sure. a Facebook page or somebody engaging. than a yeah. like. Yeah. So what's a plus one? Does it increase your search engine rankings? We don't know. I don't think so. I don't think it does anything yet. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have been saying SEO is going to be irrelevant with these plus ones. I said, no. A lot of social media experts, again in quotes, have said <laughs> this is going to be the death knell of SEO, Google Google Plus. I said, no. There will always be a need, and Lori Maycomer really liked this when I said this, for digital librarians, curators mm-hmm. of online content who, totally. who excel in showing off and exhibiting data to people that have no clue what they're looking for and ways to describe that data to people who are searching for it. No, totally. I mean, the Google search obviously is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, I could totally see them integrating um, pluses as a, a, I don't know what you call it, a signal, I guess they call it, right, mm-hmm. into their search results. Yeah. As like a tweak. To, yeah. Yeah, as a tweak for you personally. But uh, I can't see them going away from their core you know, success um, so SEO still has a place, um, yeah. obviously, in that Well, it's, some, it's something you can use in your analytics, you know. Say, well, I want to sell this site. I've got 50,000 likes mm-hmm. or 50,000 plus, plus ones. Mm-hmm. What's, that, what's that to you? You know, is that valuable? Does that mean that people are interacting with you? How many hit points do you have left if I hit you over the head of the club? That's exactly. what I want to <laughs> 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 Taking down that plus 50,000 site. Oh, boy. I, uh, <laughs> it's yeah that's what we'll have is that's web 4.0 is the web comes alive through a multi massively multiplayer game <laughs> that's right cool thanks for sharing yeah some thoughts on google plus with us nick yeah Appreciate absolutely it. um and if you have any other questions i have this on SlideShare a presentation that i've shared it's, oh cool it's cool. licensed send, under creative commons send us so, a link and we'll post yep, it in the show notes we'll do and it's um you can share it with your friends. It's licensed under Creative Commons. You can add to it. You can post it again if you want to. You just can't sell it. That's all. So. Oh, what one last question? Mm-hmm. I know we don't want to go too long, but with with Facebook, Twitter, all these things, they have APIs. People can 
make mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. Question. tie into it, and add it from external sources. Mm-hmm. Is there? Do you, have we heard if there's plans for an API for Google Plus? I wouldn't put it past them. There's APIs for a lot of other things. Right now, a lot of the browser tools are using iframes. Hmm. There and there's a lot of malware that's coming out, so be really careful when you install browser plugins or something else to interact with Google uh, Plus. Just make sure that right now you're using it as effectively as possible um, by just using it through the primary site, right? Plus.google.com. And you might have seen invites or other things like that. I think that the invite period is open, like the door is stuck open for right now. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking to join, go join now because it's, it's the time they'll probably cut it off around 25 million or, you know, some point they're going to cut it and say, okay, hold on. We need to do some server testing. And then a month later they'll open it back up again or you're two weeks later or whatever it's going to be. So, um, one more thing too, is if you lock down your privacy controls on your profile page, you can actually test to see what it looks like from somebody Mm -hmm. else's profile. That's kind of straight from your profile page. You don't have to do any sort of digging like you have to do on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, That is really nice. I like that feature. So not to paint Facebook in a dirty picture. I I like Facebook. I'm going to stay there. Um, Kevin oh, Rose. Google smart. They mm-hmm. took a look at what Facebook didn't They're do awesome. well and did do well and oh, yeah. did something better, you know, in some well, in some ways. And keep in mind it's it's an outpost. It's it's just one place for your content to go. It's not a home base. Your website, the thing that you own that can never go away, it won't get hit by an asteroid, it can't, you know, nobody can buy it out, it can't be sold, it can't be whatever. It's your website. That's the thing you own. That's like important. Twitter, you don't own Twitter, you don't own Facebook, you don't own Google Plus. Google Plus is an outpost, and Kevin Rose... They can pull the plug if they wanted to. Yeah, they can pull the plug. It can go away like Google Wave. Kevin Rose dropped his website, and he pointed to his Google Plus profile because he said, I get more interaction here than anywhere else. That is so bad. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Even though Google is king of SEO or whatever you want to call them, it's a dangerous move because it's still an outpost. It is one more social network. It's just an outpost. It's fun. It is fun. Well, yeah, think, thanks a lot, Nick. I know that this this is like kind of the hot topic right now, but it's going to be constantly evolving. But Absolutely. I'm excited to see what they do with business profiles. They're not out there yet. Yeah, me too. Ford apparently has one, but it's not It's not true. It's It looks like it's a personal profile that's been modified. Okay, well, we'll have to see how that yep. shakes down. Looking forward to the business profile stuff. Cool. We're at 10. So I'd like to talk about our podcast sponsor for just a moment. So for the listeners of Einstein and Sock Monkey, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. Uh, and you can find that at audibletrial.com forward slash Einstein. And my Audible pick for this episode is In the Plex by Stephen Levy, which is subtitled How Google Thinks, Works, and Shapes Our Lives. thought that would be appropriate since we were just mm. talking about Google+. Plus. And uh, I am listening to it right now. I'm almost exactly halfway through it. And it is awesome. Um, it's just super well written. And it, it tells the story of Google from like many history? Different- yeah, well, it's, or- it's everything. So it, the subtitle is correct, How Google Thinks, Works, and Shapes Our Lives. And there's a lot of historical pieces too. Uh, and it's told from, you know, kind of looking at Google from many different viewpoints. And it's all really, fa- I mean, I'm finding the whole thing just really fascinating um, you know, how they moved from building to building as they grew, you know, how they scaled up their servers, how secretive they were about like installing data centers. That's the section I'm in right now. Mm. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, they had, they, 
by, I forget, this is probably about five years ago. They were the number one owner of fiber optic cable on the planet. No way. Did anybody know this? No. No. They are the number one largest manufacturer of computers on the planet. They make more, they manufacture more computers than Dell and they've listed all these other companies, which are all their own manufactured computers as servers. Mm Mm-hmm. Whoa, that's a lot of servers. That's a lot of servers. <laughs> and, and this is like all under the radar, you know? Wow. I mean, like no one knew this was going on. Anyway, there's lots of really <laughs> fascinating stuff, lots of personal stuff about Sergey and Larry in there and, uh, yeah, about how it works there. It's very, it's a great book. So if you're interested in this kind of stuff and want to learn more, or just I might have to get the, I have, I have one credit just waiting for ah, some book. It's fun. Right now. It's fun. I have too many credits. They sit there and what? they because I, I you, can, you can give gifts now. Oh, I can. Yeah, they just started. You that. want some credits? <laughs> <laughs> what oh, do I have to do for you? you can, <laughs> I need some plus ones. <laughs> How many plus that ones? That I can do, my friend. Black market for plus ones. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good trade. Anyway, so that's my uh, my pick for the week. So again, uh, if you're not an Audible listener already, check it out. You can get one free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com forward slash Einstein. Well, I'm moving on to the blog picks for the for this episode. I wanted to pick another good UX um, blog that because uh, I keep forgetting to actually pick UX blogs. <laughs> uh, this is uxbooth.com, and this is actually one of my favorite UX sites. They have a good variety of authors um, writing a really like good variety of different articles about UX design, um, how to do research. It's all. It's from tactics to um, philosophy of the of user experience, and on and on and on. There's just tons and tons of good stuff on there. So I don't have any specific posts right now, but just uh, go to uxbooth.com and check out what they have. Lots of stuff in the in the archives. So it's mine. I like it. Of course you do. And my blog pick <laughs> of the week is totally unrelated to anything we talked about tonight. It's just. A funny one. Uh, and do you guys know about this one, Texts from Last Night? Oh, yeah. I have heard of it. I've oh, never actually. It's like I've been a big fan of uh, Damn You Autocorrect for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's like great for laugh out loud humor. And Texts from Last Night is different but similar. And um, I've been enjoying it. It's, <laughs> it's Most of them you can't repeat out loud. So uh, Featured there quite a number of times, I'm sure. <laughs> so if you're looking for a good laugh, laughter is important. Uh, text from last night is a great place to go, especially if you've read through all the damn you autocorrects recently. Yeah, or LOL cats, and you're at the end of the internet. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Those are the last three websites on the internet, by the way. So. Yeah, well, a lot of these are definitely not safe for just about anything. This is very true. Yes, don't, yeah, don't read don't, those at work. Yeah, I was going to say, don't have your uh, your text to speech thing turned on when you're on that <laughs> website. That's the best way to read that thing. <laughs> I'm going to start doing that. You, should just put the, you could make a fortune on YouTube on that. <laughs> this, is, this is good. This is safe. There's still flour in my hair, and I don't even want to know what the neighbors think happened in front of my house. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Anyway. I've got one. Did you have one? Cool. Um, this was by a, a, local, um, a local artist and a local couple here in Fort Collins. And it's citationneededcomic.com. So citationneededcomic.com. It's by Mariah Hummer. And Paul Hummer is rockstar, um, at rockstar underscore on Twitter. Um, and she's, 
hilarious. You've been posting stuff on Plus. They're hilarious. Yeah, I've been posting their and comics they're, on Plus. They're writing these? Hilarious. Yeah, so... And she, um, she illustrates them, right? Yeah, she oh illustrates gosh. them. She draws it. Um, and the the blonde guy is Paul. Um, I'm led to believe. So I, I would believe <laughs> that it's, it's, it may be like? a little bit autobiographical. Um, so definitely check it out. It's hilarious. Um, the one that they had... He's, Paul's actually talking about Google Plus yeah, in this love latest it. one. He wants his social network of one. That's why he's going to create his own network because he hates Google Plus. It's too complicated right now. It's too chatty. Love it. I yeah. think that that's the one thing that Google Plus is missing besides the minus one button, which I think that they were, wasn't there a way you could like thumbs up or thumbs down a Google search result before? It was. They have that for like a week and it yes. disappeared. I wish they would bring that back because I just I, I want to stick it to those SEO folks who do a black hat job oh, and yeah. get those things way up there that shouldn't be up there. Mm-hmm. I just want to thumbs down. Like if I go to a site, I want to be vindictive. <laughs> and I, it's like something I don't like and just got thumbs down you. Nice. Um, anyway, that's the, thing, <laughs> the one thing that Google Plus is missing is the ability to filter out junk. There is it's not there except, yet. Uh, except for blocking people. Yeah, you can hide the post or mute yeah. the post or whatever. You can't. It's, it's difficult to filter out the junk. Like Chris Brogan has some really good gems from time to time. I don't want a post every ten freaking seconds from him. That's which like he a does. Problem. Follow him. Check With it out. You'll see yeah. it for real. <laughs> He's posted three times since we've already since we started this. Wow, <laughs> that was only like three minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, let's, we're going to go ahead and close out for this, for this episode and wanted to, uh, once again, remind everybody about Resonate by Nancy Duarte. Is it going to be our book club? And um, That's a really good book. When, have we talked about when we're going to do that? We haven't, so we should probably we should, cause we figure keep announcing that out. It. Yeah, yeah, we keep kind of putting it out there. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll announce it soon about when we're going to actually discuss that. Yeah. So a Google Plus discussion. Let's try to shoot. We, we could do a hangout. hangout. Yeah, it's a hangout with ten people. But by the way, oh, that'd be cool. We, I, we did. I should say we did re- realize this right before we started recording that you do not want to do a hangout with three people in the same room because <laughs> the feedback and the echoes gets crazy. It creates <laughs> it creates a Mobius loop, and the, the <laughs> yeah. universe ends. And there's a Starbucks somewhere right there. But like, you could yeah. become immortal. You never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry digress anyway, so nancy, nancy duarte's book resonate uh really good book and we're going to do that when and we'll announce later when we're going to do that so otherwise big thanks to josh mulligan for doing the show notes the hive at um hivefc.com for the recording space of course thanks to nick for stopping by and, and regaling us with his google plus social media wisdom yes. always thanks always. for joining us nick yep thank you and uh, please visit our website at EinsteinAndSockMonkey.com. We really love getting comments there, so we encourage you to uh, come and post something nice, please. Um, please subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and rate us in iTunes. That is the best way to help other people find out about our podcast. You can find me at Ron underscore Z on Twitter and on the web at CodeGeek.net. And I'm uh, CleverCubed in Twitter and CleverCubed.com. And I'm G plus dot two slash Nick Armstrong. <laughs> you can, you can, just going to put it out there. Um, I'm at I'm Nick Armstrong dot com. I am Nick Armstrong with an A. And then uh, 
Like I'm, I-A-M. Yeah, and then I'm, like the contraction, but without the apostrophe, I'm <laughs> Nick Armstrong on Twitter because they, they don't have a long enough username field. 16, yeah. 17 characters? Yeah, 16, six, I need 17. That's 16 is not enough. Oh. So... I think it's 17. Oh, is it? So you must need 18. I'd better go back and check. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody grabs I am Nick Armstrong on Twitter, I'm going to be really upset. Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye, Bye everybody. Einstein and Sock Monkey is sponsored by CodeGeek.net, a full-service web design and development agency, and CleverCubed.com, providing user experience design, usability testing, and information architecture. And presented by Ron Zazadinsky and Steve Martin. Music provided by the band Black Lab. Find them at blacklabworld.com. Inside.